Good morning. Our reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Good morning from me. I'm really glad you could make it here this morning. If you've um, put down your Bible, would you pick it up again and open up Acts chapter 1? I won't tell you the page number. It'll be different in yours probably, but it's Acts chapter 1. And ahead of us uh, hearing more from it, let's pray. Our Father God, you tell us that walking in your ways brings us perfect freedom. And so we pray, teach us more of your ways and by the power of your spirit, might we walk in them. For Jesus' sake and for our good. Amen. Well, what on earth is Jesus doing? Maybe you've asked a question like that recently. The pandemic is causing many of us to ask big questions. I heard someone talking about an online course that they're part of. It's an alpha course where you get to ask the big questions about life and meaning and and God. This particular Alpha course started on Good Friday, and most of the guests are there because of the coronavirus, because it's raised questions. And some of them have got plenty of time to do the course as well. On the first night of Alpha, they always ask, if it turned out there was a God after all, what question would you ask him? And one of the questions that was asked on this course was, where have you been? Where on earth have you been? If you are God, why are you allowing all this to happen? Now, Jesus claims to be the Son of God, so we might put it like this. What on earth is Jesus doing? Of course, actually many of us would answer, nothing. Don't be so silly. If Jesus ever lived, he's now dead. And dead things don't do things. But then a little word in the opening of our Bible passage is deeply intriguing. So take a look, please, at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. The writer here is Luke, and the former book he talks about there is his gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
Luke says here his former book is about the beginning of Jesus' work in our world. And this book is the sequel. This book is about the continuation of Jesus' work in our world. The point is, Jesus hasn't stopped. You see, Luke's gospel, all the gospels, they show us that Jesus is God's divine king. And everything he did was about him establishing God's kingdom. Read through Luke's gospel and you see that Jesus teaches with divine authority. He performs phenomenal miracles. He then dies to deal with human rebellion against God. And then he rises victorious over sin and death so that people can be a part of his kingdom. This was God's divine king establishing his kingdom. But that was just the beginning. As phenomenal as all that was, Jesus was just getting going. Take a look look again. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. What's going on there? Well, after his resurrection, Jesus ascended to heaven. He took his rightful throne in heaven. And from there, Jesus continues his work on earth. Verse 2 tells us about Jesus teeing up that ongoing work. Before Jesus went to heaven, he gave instructions to the apostles all about the ongoing work of extending his kingdom. We see at the end of Luke's gospel, his instruction, he, he instructed the apostles to spread the kingdom message, which was which is this, turn to God's king, turn to Jesus, believe the good news. And what's more, the apostles were instructed to teach all who do turn to King Jesus in kingdom living, to teach them about obedience to him. So all in all, do you see, yes, Jesus has left our world, but he hasn't stopped working in our world. Far from it. Having finished his work of establishing his kingdom, Jesus has not stopped being at work, extending his kingdom. But, and this is crucial, Jesus does that ongoing work through his followers. So what on earth is Jesus doing? We don't have all the answers. But what we do know is that he's extending his kingdom through his people. And I put it to you that this is the most significant work going on anywhere by anyone. There are people doing significant work in our world. We're particularly conscious of scientists and governments and shop workers and teachers and carers and NHS workers. And there are so many more. But as significant as all that is, there is nothing as significant as the work of the one who rules planet Earth, extending his kingdom on Earth through his people. And the only logical response is for you and I to understand what he's doing and align all we do with it. Now, of course, all this rests on the claim that Jesus rose from the dead, because after all, dead people don't, in fact, do things. And so Luke just clears that one up for us right at the start. And so the first point for us this morning is that Jesus proved he's alive. Jesus proved he's alive. Take a look with me at verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to the apostles and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
No, we weren't there to see the risen Jesus. But we didn't need to be. The apostles were given plenty of evidence, and we have an accurate account of that. And that can be enough for us. After all, there are all sorts of things we believe on trust. You believe my name's David. You haven't seen my birth certificate. You believe it because you trust me. I hear that the BBC's big night in raised £27 million. It's a huge amount, and I haven't seen their presumably huge bank statement to verify it, but still, I believe it. In fact, all of history has already happened, and we weren't there for most of it. So the only way you can know that something has happened, in pretty well anything, is if someone reliable tells us. It's the same with the resurrection of Jesus. No, we didn't meet the risen Jesus. How could we? We weren't alive then. But our author Luke is a very careful historian. He's not gullible. He's no pushover. He's done his research. And he's discovered that the apostles met the risen Jesus. Of course, not much hangs on whether or not I'm called David, but masses hangs on the resurrection. Big claims need big amounts of evidence. So see verse 3 again. He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over 40 days. The apostles didn't just see see Jesus once from afar. This was no dream or hallucination. Jesus was with them, giving convincing proofs over 40 days. And we're also told he spent time with them, teaching them about his kingdom. So... He was helping them grasp everything he had earlier taught them about the kingdom he had, about the kingdom, stuff that they might have struggled to grasp. But they could now grasp it in the light of his death and resurrection. The most fundamental claims of the Christian faith are often dismissed uncritically. It's assumed that they are incredible or unreliable. But the opposite is true. Luke did his research, and we needn't be in any doubt. To believe that Jesus is Lord and at work in our world is not the position of someone who's away with the fairies. He really is alive today as God's king. He really has established his kingdom. And he really is extending his kingdom. These are facts. And they are facts to set the course of our lives by. Now, as you might have noticed, Jesus isn't walking alongside us today. He did go up to heaven. So, how does Jesus continue his work? Our next heading, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. So far, the apostles have received lots from Jesus. Convincing proofs about him, kingdom teaching from him, and commands to continue his work. Well, with all that in the bag, I guess they were raring to go. But Jesus says, wait, not so quick. There's something else he hasn't yet given them. Or someone, someone without whom they will be useless. Take a look with me at verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Friends, in the history of the world, this is a monumental moment. The gift of the Holy Spirit given to men and women. Jesus tells us this gift was promised by God the Father centuries ago. 
Jesus says he himself had spoken about uh, this gift to them in his ministry already. And then in verse 5, he ramps up the anticipation further by reminding them of John the Baptist's visual aid. You see, John was basically a messenger with a visual aid. His message was, repent and get ready. Turn around, turn to Jesus, repent and get ready. His visual aid was baptism, a sign that the baptizee was turning away from their sin, being washed from their sin, having a new life with Jesus. But John knew that his water was just a picture. He knew that the reality was coming in, the, in Jesus Christ, who would baptise with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' message to the apostles here is this. It's about to happen. I'm about to flood you with the Spirit. Read on into chapter 2. And that's just what happened on the day of Pentecost. Nowadays, whenever anyone puts their trust in Christ, they are at that time baptised in the Spirit. That's to say the Spirit comes and takes permanent dwelling within them. What does that mean? for them? Well, so much. But in particular here, it means power for witnessing to Jesus. Take a look down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. If you're a Christian, I wonder if you're clear about this. If you're a Christian, Jesus has given you a mandate in all of life, to be his witness, to bear witness to him. Did you know that? Jesus has given you a mandate in all of life where to bear witness to him. Now we'll come back to that, but the point for now is this. The Holy Spirit living in us, it is him who makes us effective in that mission. And that's why Jesus says, not so fast. He wants his people to make him known, but that will not happen without the power of the Holy Spirit. But with the Spirit, we have all we need for this God-given job of witnessing to Jesus. Perhaps you're listening to this, not yet a Christian, but the idea of being involved in the only way of life that will count for eternity sounds good to you. Well, great. First... Turn from your rebellion against God to Jesus. Accept Christ as your king. And when you do, God will live, he will give you his spirit. I don't expect a tingling sensation or a head rush, but the spirit of God in you will empower you for living the only life that really counts, a life of bearing witness to Jesus Christ. The point is, don't miss this point that this work we're to do of bearing witness to Jesus is still very much the work of Jesus. This is what Jesus empowers his people for. So it's not as if Jesus passes on the baton. You know, in a relay race, with any luck, one runner passes on the baton for the next to carry on. But once they've passed on the baton, they then drop out of the race. And that's not how it is with our mission. Jesus did not ascend to heaven, sit on his throne, fold his arms and kick back, his work done, and then wait to see what his followers would manage next. Now, Jesus continues to be at work on our earth, only now he's doing it from heaven, by his Holy Spirit, working through his people. So, it's a collaboration, yes, 
but he is still the main player. And so here's a slightly better illustration, though admittedly only slightly. My mum was a primary school teacher, and she was often a cover teacher as well. And she once told me, if you're a cover teacher, look, basically all the work is done for you. You're given the lesson plans. But whatever the children learn is really not your doing. Parents who are home educating right now might chime in with this, or maybe not. I don't know. But if you're a cover teacher, it's kind of a collaboration between you and the real teacher. But you don't do the real work, other than a bit of crowd control. And you don't get the credit for it. You just have to deliver what you've received. So let me put it this way. This whole book of Acts is about the spread of God's kingdom after Jesus went to heaven. But the book of Acts is not the Acts of the Apostles, as it's traditionally called. It's the Acts of the risen, ruling Jesus, by his Spirit, through his Apostles. And one or two others, by the way. Similarly, the spread of Jesus' kingdom throughout the world since the end of Acts until today, that we're involved in, it's not really the Acts of the Church. It's the Acts of the risen, ruling Jesus by his Spirit, through his church. This work of us witnessing to Jesus is all of Jesus. Well, these are truths to line up your life with, aren't they? Jesus is alive and he rules our world and he has a plan for our world. His plan is to extend his kingdom through his spirit and power people. Now, let's see the scope of his plans. Next, we see that Jesus guaranteed worldwide witness. Jesus guaranteed worldwide witness. After being told about the Spirit and his coming, the apostles were excited. They've got a burning question. Take a look down at verse 6. Then they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, are you going to put everything right, right now? Jesus answered verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So yes, thank God, Jesus will put everything right, but he won't do it right now, and only the Father knows exactly when. So people who put energy into trying to work out precisely when Jesus will come and put everything right are wasting their time. Jesus is clear that we have far better things to do with our time. Take a look at verse 8. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the mission statement for Bishop Hannington Church. This is the mission statement for Holy Cross Church. If you're a Christian, this is your mission statement. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, we need to be clear on a couple of points. One is the nature of our mission. It is to witness to Christ. And sometimes Christians have funny ideas about what witnessing is. We don't witness when we simply spend time with people outside the church, with non-Christians. We don't witness even when by simply being nice to non-Christians. Think of a witness in a courtroom. A witness in a courtroom 
testifies to what they know. So very clearly, for one thing, they've got to talk. And they speak about something that has happened. Witnessing, we witness when we testify to who Jesus is and what he's done. And any good works we might do, only it supports that testimony. Notice too here what the priority is in our mission. Jesus' priority for us, and it's his, it's not something we've created, his priority for us and our world is not in fact health and wealth. It's not world peace. It's not relieving hunger. It's not reducing global warming. Jesus' priority is not to end this pandemic. Those might be good things, but they're not the best thing. They're not the number one thing. The number one thing Jesus wants is his people to speak of him throughout the globe so that more people will turn to him and look forwards to a world without pandemics and any kind of pain, which is what they can do when they turn to him. Now, that's a scary and a thrilling thing to be involved in witnessing to Jesus. So let's be confident also in the power for our mission You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit drives out his people to witness to the Lord Jesus. In him, we have all we need to get on with telling people about Jesus. But let's not miss the big point of this verse, which is that Jesus will make it happen and he will make it happen everywhere. God will spread his kingdom through weak, very ordinary human beings going out into the world and telling others the good news of Christ. And he will do that not in a small corner of the earth, but not just in one country, but in the whole, throughout the whole face of the globe, to the ends of the earth, even in Hove, even in your home, your workplace, your street. See, I spoke a little earlier of what Jesus wants to be the case. But this isn't just what Jesus wants to happen. And, you know, would we please mind getting on board with it? This is a declaration of what will happen. It's a declaration of what is happening in our world. This is what on earth Jesus is doing. He will have witnesses to the ends of the earth, whether we like it or not, whether we're on board or not. He will make sure of it. It's not a plea. It's a promise. Let me try and put it in a slightly different way. Pandemic or no pandemic, how do we think of big world events and how do we think of the small circumstances of our lives? Well, Jesus rules them all. And so the most relevant question about it all is, what is Jesus doing? And here we have the answer. Jesus is getting the gospel out through his people. So then, let's think. Throughout life, there are technological developments and technological setbacks. There are laws which bring progress and laws which bring recession. Groups and companies and nations and people rise. Groups and companies and nations and people fall. There are pandemics and famines and earthquakes and volcanoes. There is poverty, wealth, war, terrorism. There's work, there's unemployment and there are holidays. People get together, people break up. Prime Ministers have baby boys. There are tragedies. There are triumphs. Churches grow. Churches fail. 
There are box sets, trilogies, novels, magazines, newspapers, Wikipedia, Facebook, Twitter, Strictly, Bake Off, the Premier League, most of the time. The internet, the transport network, the government, the pound, the euro, the dollar, the yen, whatever might be going on, whatever's being reported, whatever people are facing, whatever's in, whatever's out, whether we're at home, whether we're, we're, we're able to, to, to wander freely, whatever is going on in the world, whatever else might be important, what is the most important thing going on amidst it all? Jesus is extending his kingdom. By his spirit, through his witnessing people, Jesus is extending his kingdom to the ends of the earth. The final question our passage answers is this. What will happen once Jesus' plan is complete? And it's this. Jesus will return in glory. Jesus will return in glory. Take a look with me at verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus ascended, and the disciples, not surprisingly, stared up into the sky after him. Now the cloud in the Bible is a symbol of God's presence. So this was a glorious scene. Jesus' ascent means he moved to the centre of God's glory. Maybe you've watched the first televised recording of the coronation of a British monarch, the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. It was a spectacular affair. There's a great military procession. The vast crowds that thronged the streets of Westminster. The golden horse-drawn carriage bringing the Queen to Westminster Abbey. There was a great trumpet fanfare and choral anthems and the throne and the crown itself. And then came the Queen with that long crimson robe, there to be crowned by the Archbishop of Canterbury. As the crown was at last placed upon her brow, the 7,000 strong congregation rose and shouted, God save the Queen! God save the Queen! God save the Queen! And the ascension of Christ was his coronation procession as he moves from earthly ministry to heavenly glory. <laughs> you can hardly blame them for staring, right? But as they stare up into the sky, there are two men dressed in white. I take it they were angels. Take a look at verse 10. The apostles were looking intently up into the sky as Jesus was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who, was, who has been taken, up, taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Many people have seen here a lesson for the church. Stop sitting around, get on with the work of Jesus. But I'm not sure that's the point of this text. For one thing, the angels don't say, stop staring at Christ, start sharing Christ. And for another thing, Jesus has commanded the apostles to wait. I think the simple point is that final promise of verse 11. This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus will return for, as it were, a second coronation, to wrap up his kingdom work, and gather all the people of his kingdom, and rule them in, rule them in person, forever. He'll return in the same way as he went up, in glory, it'll be unmissable, and then his plan will be complete. What on earth is Jesus doing? We don't have all the answers. Why is he letting this pandemic happen? We don't have all the answers. 
But we do have the answers that matter. Jesus is at work. He's at work doing what matters most. He's extending his kingdom through his people by his spirit until his return. He's extending his kingdom through his people by his spirit until his return. I think that begs a final question. What on earth are you doing? And me? Because surely the only intelligent thing for us is to align our plans and decisions with what Jesus is doing in our world. Jesus is extending his kingdom as people make him known. So will you spend your days on earth, these days of lockdown included, bearing witness to Jesus? Will you make verse 8 your mission statement? With your friends at work, in your family, on social media, will you not just be kind, but will you be speaking of Jesus? If not, well, if I make plans and decisions and use my time independently of what Jesus is up to, then ultimately my life will be a waste. Whereas, if my plans and decisions are in line with his, then my life will be worthwhile. In fact, it's the only possible way my life can be worthwhile, because then what I do will last into eternity. And so I hope that this is a great encouragement to you if you're looking to witness to Jesus at this time and any other time. If you've stopped doing that, or if you've never got going in doing that, then as a Christian, you have the spirit. Get going in it. Despite social distancing, opportunities to witness are huge. The internet is still working. Phone lines are still working. Royal Mail is still working. The, the over the garden fence conversation, that still works too. Speaking of Jesus, it's not always easy. But in the spirit, we have all we need to get on with the job. And as we make Jesus known, we get the thrill of being a part of his work, of bringing the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Friends, let's pray about that now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for telling us what you are up to in our world. And that is so important. We praise you that the gospel has reached us, that somebody witnessed to us. We pray that we might align our lives with what you're doing in the world and be witnesses in all our days on this world. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen.